Hello, everyone. Welcome to That Triathlon Life podcast. I'm Paula Finley. I am Eric Lagerstrom. I'm Nick Goldston. And we are here on episode 14, I think. And uh, we're going to answer some questions, talk to you about triathlon, talk to you about dogs, talk to you about anything that you've sent in this week. So we're pretty excited. Um, Eric and I are both professional triathletes. And Nick, what are you? I don't even know anymore. What are you? <laughs> I don't even know. I've been editing video. I've been taking pictures. <laughs> no, but mainly I am a musician. A Grammy-winning musician, triathlon photographer, <laughs> videographer, best friends with Trixie slash us. That's right. Oh, we're just getting the Trixie reference mentioned out of the we way. We need to get it in there. It's a drinking game on this podcast. Once Trixie comes up, you take a shot. Bingo. Um, no, I really do want to get her on the podcast very soon. She's just about to leave on tour in Europe and stuff. But she was like, next time I'm back, we're doing it. And I want to talk about Bend on the podcast is what she said. It would be fantastic if when we come to LA, try it. We could all just like do it. Oh, She's not going to be there. That was great. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Wait, are you are you guys both doing it? Because I got an email from LA Try that had Paula's face front and center on it. I'm just doing the bike leg on a celebrity. Relay. Oh, the celeb. Oh, yeah. Were we? Oh, that's what the problem. We were trying to get Trixie as the other celebrity. Yes. And it was the she left the the afternoon of the race. Right. That yeah. was the problem. I was so bummed. I had that inspiration while running on the treadmill, which is where I have my best thinks. Yeah. <laughs> and and it just, it like crushed me when I found out it wasn't going to work. I always know Eric's on the trainer when I get four essay texts from him, <laughs> waxing <laughs> philosophical. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't help it. So how are you guys feeling as far as your, your, your is your next race LA try? Uh, no. no, actually, we're going to all the way back to Florida to do uh, St. Anthony's oh, before LA right. Try. Want to go to Florida again? <laughs> yeah, let's party. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a really cool one. There, it's another non-draft Olympic distance race. I've uh, I've won it before. It's it's super fun. The homestays are awesome. So we'll we'll head over and do that. And then a couple weeks after that is LA Try, and then Chattanooga is the week after LA Try. Got it. Uh, and Paula, do you know if you'll be doing uh, the Florida race, St. Anthony's? Uh, I have my flight booked. Okay, got it. Got it. <laughs> got it. And that's as Which far as we've gotten. <laughs> so um, it's a daily uh, it's a touch it. and go. Got it. Got it. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I just did some bike intervals. Oxygen's coming back to my brain very slowly. <laughs> Tuesday is, I think, a rough day yeah. for all of us to be recording this. We had three workouts and three like, really? massage and yeah, yeah. Tuesdays are huge. We do a hard swim, a hard bike, and then just like you know limp around on the run for a little while and we do a gym session and we get a massage okay, well, and then we meet we get takeout burritos and then we it. meet you before we before <laughs> we go into our, our little game here i was wondering i had a question for you that i i need to now implement paula told me that paula told me paula spoke to Lindsay, and Lindsay said that if i'm going to do an iron man off the little run volume that i usually do i need to be really good at strength training so i do have some strength training workouts That'll be twice a week. When should I put them into my schedule, do you think? Before and after? Like, what What would you try to avoid putting them near or before or after? Anything like that? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. And people have different answers to this. I personally think that it's hard because ideally you'll do it on a day where you have a rest day the next day. So that might be on a day where you have a couple other hard workouts and do it right after them. So maybe you have like a long run on Sunday and Monday's a recovery day. You do it after your long run on Sunday or you have a hard day on the, 
Wednesday. Tuesday's easy. Do it on Tuesday. I, I don't know. Something like that. That makes sense. For me, my long runs are on Wednesday and Thursdays are my rest day. So I could do them after the long run. The reason that's that people like to do that is because you often get a little bit sore from doing a strength workout, especially if it's like hard or if you're new to strength. So that just gives you the day after to use it as an actual recovery day and you don't have any pressure to like do a hard session on sore legs. But yeah. I did a pretty hard gym workout yesterday with my physio and then today had a hard ride and I was super sore in my glutes and quads and it just takes longer to warm up. Like I think you can still do hard sessions when you're sore, but you just have to make sure you really warm up properly and uh, don't push through any bad pain, obviously. Yeah, my my man, my philosophy has always been like I don't want to like do have my gym session like negatively impact my hard run workout, like too tired to run properly. So. Mm, right. But the idea Absolutely. is then you start doing gym and you get stronger and then you don't get as sore from gym sessions. Like yeah. when you first start it, you'll be sore. But then it should get better. How much do you guys try to lift heavy versus do a bunch of reps? Where where's the right balance there? I don't think we ever quote unquote like lift heavy. Well, the new the new PT that I'm going to is kind of like a strength guy as well, and we've been doing like hex bar squats, which are really heavy. So it's like that's kind of new to me. But the gym that we do with Aaron Carson with EC Fit is a little bit more functional, and we do use like sort of heavy kettlebells, but it's all at our house. So you have, have a hex bar heavy. at home? Did I not see no, that? No, no, no. This is at the physio clinic. Oh, you go there physically? Oh, that's yeah. cool. This is a new thing, like as of one okay. week ago. This is as got of it, got it. Cool, <laughs> cool. Okay, great. Well, the first thing we're going to do is a little bit of rapid fire. Um, usually Paula does these for Eric and myself, but I thought I would switch it up, flip the script, turn the tables, tables the turn, and do it to them. So you, the goal is to just answer as quickly as possible. None of this stuff that we do where we just... We get a question, and then we talk about it for five minutes. So, first of all, straight up, pink or purple? Pink. Eric, stop philosophizing. Sorry, purple. <laughs> um, I agree, pink. Would you rather be too hot or too cold? Too cold. Cold. Coke from the bottle or Coke from the can? Bottle. Bottle. Who would pick can? Um, I feel like the can's kind of... Actually, I don't know. It's like the... <laughs> yeah. Like the... Yeah, there's something satisfying about yeah. that. That's true. Yeah. Um, thin crust or thick crust pizza? Thin mm, crust. I think thick. I mean, it has to be good thick thin, crust. Thin crust is a little more fancy. Thick crust maybe is a little more satisfying. Yeah. Um, iMessage or WhatsApp? I, I, yep. I don't know. It's hard because I have like very specific of friends course. that I WhatsApp with and very specific friends that I message with. Usually the internationals, the internationals are WhatsApp. Are WhatsApp always, also my coach. always. I don't think I like know like what WhatsApp has advantages over iMessage, I'll, but iMessage is very you, the, easy. The only advantage is that in everyone we know has an iPhone. In Europe, that is not the case at yeah. all. So the mm-hmm. they can't all communicate with iMessage, so they use WhatsApp instead. So this yeah. question is really international friends or American yes. friends. That's why I thought okay. Paula would be an interesting person to ask. In fact, she was a little divided on it. Um, road bike or TT bike? Road bike. Yeah. Yeah, mostly. Yeah, road bike. Um, bath or shower? Shower. Oh, man, they're just, yeah. They're I guess different. Shower. They're different. Shower always they're different. I've never seen Eric in a bath in my entire life. I have <laughs> taken a bath. I'm the only person who's taken a bath in this house. I have not still taken a bath in my house, but Toby takes them and she loves them. 
But you guys oh, have really? a, a, basically the world's nicest hot tub in your backyard too. So I feel like that's your that's kind of like that a bath. That kind of checks right? the box. Yeah, checks the bath box. Except for then, I get out of the ba- hot tub and I still have to have a shower. because yeah, I feel like I need right. to wash off. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, would you rather have the extra hour of light in the morning or in the evening? Evening. Yeah, probably evening. Yeah, the evening is best. And in fact, in California, um, it seems like actually nationally, I think they might keep daylight savings uh, next yeah. year and and beyond. So we'll never yeah. have those like really early sunsets anymore. Yeah. And last question: What's your favorite swim stroke? Definitely the butterfly. Oh, <laughs> Just <God>. kidding. <laughs> I'm sure there's people out there that do think uh, butterflies. Like, <laughs> I don't. I mean, all we do is freestyle for the most part, with a rare exception. Yeah, but I guess if you're like, okay, new rule in triathlon, everyone has to do X stroke. I would mm-hmm. pick breaststroke because I grew up. Bre- I grew up as a breaststroke. Breaststroke. But I feel like breaststroke is such a specific stroke. Like if you're good at it, you're good at it. If you're not good at it, you're terrible at yeah. it. Yeah. So as a breaststroke, well, butterfly think, is even more of that though. Like if you're not good at butterfly, yeah. you're barely moving and you're drowning. That's true. <laughs> I feel like that one's just more aerobically taxing, but breaststroke's actually the technically more challenging. Yeah. And isn't it way more leg based? So if you're, I was gonna say, yeah, yeah. way more than yourself out. Leg based, but also like uh, flexibility a little bit, like ankle flexibility, all of that. Do your hips do that or not? Yeah, I just couldn't believe when my friend who was like a breaststroker in college taught me how to breaststroke. I was doing it completely wrong. Like you're not supposed to bring your arms back almost at all. Like they no, shouldn't they come lower right than your armpits. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, of course like not. I want to bring them all the way down to my hips, <laughs> just I, like you do in a freestyle. <laughs> then what do you do? Then you got well. How do you get them back up there? Yeah, well, it takes a minute, but you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got to be calm. I thought it's like a quick stroke, and then you streamline. I'm yeah, doing it right now. That makes not I good don't. For- yeah, I don't. I I couldn't make it's sense like you of it. When you when you're a kid, it's it's you you scoop the the cookie dough and you put some in your mouth and then you go right. back to the front of the okay. bowl. When you're a kid, you when I was a kid, I was playing piano. Okay, so we all had different experiences growing <laughs> this up. This is true. This is true. Are we still on rapid fire or have we moved sorry, on? Sorry, I'm sorry. We're fire? done. That was it. That was it. We, let's go to the first question here. <laughs> the first question is from Steve Blake. Says, hey guys, I haven't used it a bunch, but have you looked into a TTL Discord, Reddit, or maybe even slow Twitch forum thread? I could see Discord being a cool spot, but I'm fairly green when it comes to it. With regards to some of last week's questions with career trajectory, could you guys see yourself as race directors one day or as leading race to something you're not into? Anyway, thanks for the super cool episode this week. He's talking about the YouTube episode. Mm-hmm. The scenes and shots were unbelievable and beautiful. Look forward to what you all have in store for the rest of the year. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate that. That was a lot of questions in one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the first one was about the, the the Discord or Reddit or slow Twitch yeah. forum thread or something. I'd say I text Nick about this probably every other day, and we're trying to like, I don't really understand how Slack versus Discord versus Reddit work, but um, the one thing I'd, I told Nick like a couple days ago was about Reddit is that I don't necessarily like that it's totally anonymous. I would like people to be able to, like if there was a TTL forum somehow, be able to say, hey, I'm in... Chattanooga, Tennessee. Does anybody else want to go for a long ride on Sunday? You know, and that would be lend itself better to having not anonymity. You can do you can do that on Reddit, and people oh, do okay. that on Reddit. But the whole point, as a avid redditor myself, the point of Reddit, it's not like Instagram or a forum anywhere where you have like where you do develop your own personality. It's really yeah. it's every comment's kind of like a new thing. Right. So it's not ideal for what you're talking about. 
It's, yeah. It really isn't. And I don't know Discord well enough to know if it's ideal. But what, what we want is something where, you know, when the podcast is, is done or when there's a product that is going to come out or when there's like a meetup of some kind, there's a place for TTL Nation to go to be able to like communicate with each other with or without our supervision necessarily, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, I don't know if, if, if you have like, recommendations on that i think maybe don't don't send the emails to paula but you could direct message yeah me i'm on like Instagram. nope 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 this sounds like more work nope we're not doing it next question <laughs> well ideally it would be less work it would it would be its own thing that we can interact with when we want to but like eric has enough things so Nick send them enough. to my instagram where you will be met with positivity right. and love <laughs> that's right um, but yeah, so we're we're working on that. And the other thing was, do you guys see yourself as potential race directors one day? No. Actually, an interesting uh, side note to this is my mom is the race director for the PTO Edmonton race. And she's really good at it. And I think a lot of race directing has to do with connections like in a city where you're putting on the race, connections with the city of Edmonton, connections with the police department, like being able to close roads. It's way more work than you'll ever, ever imagine. And as athletes, we roll up to races that are just put on seamlessly and roll very smoothly. But the reality is that people are working literally 12 months in advance of the race to make it go that smoothly. It is so much work. It's a full-time job, to be honest. So probably not something I would ever want to do, but it is kind of cool to see my mom doing it. Eric, what about you? So um, I don't want to be a race director. Like Paula said, there are people who are really good at that, but I would like to be like a race conceptualizer. (laughs) Which isn't a thing. You like the creative (laughs) side, not the hard work. If you're a race director and you want to put on a race that's cool, like I would like to help you promote the race and like blow it up and make it a big deal. That's like, I get really excited about like telling the story of why this course is this way and, and showing it off and why is this grace cool etc but yeah there's so much that goes into everything paula said that you could just fully go down that road and never come back (laughs) i feel like eric maybe you'd be a good um what's the word i'm looking for like uh someone that they would reference not reference but like uh like on movie sets they have this where they have specialists in an area like on a doctor show they have doctors a consultant yeah you'd be a good consultant Mm. I, I think it would be very cool. Like when I, when I think about having a, an event or something, I think about like an event that somebody has an idea for that they came to us and we put TTL on it and endorsed it and helped. And like I said, I helped make the race course preview video or something like that. But we didn't like necessarily get fully into the weeds on it ourselves, the two of us. So. Right. Okay. Great. Next question is from Jade. Jade says, "Hey guys, love, love, love the pod. I've got a couple questions for you. First off, Jade, Jade's reading my mind here. First off, am I missing something with Zwift? The whole triathlon community seems to love it, but I find it incredibly <laughs> boring and prefer Ruby. Is that how you pronounce it, Ruby? I think so. Uh, where it's it, Ruby? Ruby. <laughs> yeah, just like a, what was her name last week? Do you remember? I don't. The girl that oh, with an H it was no. R H something. Ryan. 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 <laughs> Uh, right. Yeah. And prefer Ruby where it feels like, sorry, Ruby where it feels like you're actually cycling in a specific place. And it's not some weird cartoon town. Does Zwift have some extra features that I don't know about? What's the appeal? That's that's her first yes. question. So, so we'll stop there. Yes, Zwift is the best. Ruby is not the best. <laughs> I think I think my dad really liked Ruby. Is that the one where like it has 
actual images of climbs that go by as you're climbing. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, it's like a Google Maps kind of digitized. Yeah, that's slightly. right. It seems a little the, weird to me. I didn't. I didn't love the the idea, but I, some people really prefer that. Yeah, we had a, an experience with it during COVID when Iron Man was doing virtual races for like they'd pick pros and put them against one another, and we'd be racing on Little Ruby. Um, <laughs> we can call it. Ruby I now. can't roll no, my no, tongue. No, 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 no. We're committed. <laughs> <laughs> and I just found it was a lot less developed than Zwift in terms of Zwift is so dialed with like you hit a hill instantly, your kicker responds, and you're at a oh, more resistance. Right, right. I didn't think that Ruby was quite as sophisticated, and um, like I don't know, the cartoon characters just looked very generic. And in Zwift, you can make them look literally just like you and pick your bike and. What I like about Zwift is it's a community where a lot of people we know are using it. So I can log on and see like five people that I know, other pros that are riding and join them for a ride. And you can message them and create a group ride. And-, and the races and group rides are actually really fun and a good way to pass time if you have some boring trainer rides. I've sometimes just pick a random Zwift or mode workout and do it, like lower the FTP so it's not super hard, but just use it as a guide. And a lot of the time they guide you along with word cues and explain the workout to you what the purpose is so it's you can do it don't forget to take a drink of your water it's is getting that, hard yeah oh i remember that because the first time i'd ever done one was at your house i did a yeah. ramp test and i'm like Fuck, yeah. stop talking to me i'm dying don't quit now <laughs> yeah thanks why don't you pedal computer <laughs> um, okay yeah so but i think at the end of the day for her if you if you don't like the gamified yeah. thing exactly. you're not gonna like zwift Right. Yeah. The differ the difference is like one is a true video game with video game structure, and the other is like, yeah. If if you want to do like a racing game where you can race any track in the world, versus you want just one track that is like a vid like video perfect 4K, then that's Ruby, I guess. Right. Like less options, but very realistic looking scenery. Right. Um, okay, well, so our second question is, I did my first Olympic distance aqua bike last month and love it so much. Eventually want to do a 70.3, but I hate running so much. So I have to psych <laughs> myself up to be able to run even 10K, let alone a half marathon. Yuck. Anyway, my swimming has slowly improved over the past couple months of training, but ideally I'd love to get below a two minute per 100 meter pace. What would your tips be for becoming a faster swimmer? Should I be focusing on intervals? This is unrelated to not liking running. This is just a pure swimming question. I guess so, but I I think there's a similar... My answer to her would be the same thing in both, I guess. Why don't you answer? My, my answer, as someone who really did hate running and got into it later in life, like it sounds like maybe she has, mm-hmm. is I think I made the mistake of treating it like cycling where I could just go out pretty hard. I wasn't realizing that when I go hard on the bike, as soon as I'm done with the hard part, I get to coast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you really recover a lot. And I think it's much easier to recover from a bike effort than a running Mm -hmm. effort. So I think my, my advice would be if whether or not you're, you're like a developed aerobic athlete in another sport in running, 
I, for a long time, I would say go out for easy runs, like really easy runs. Do not try yeah. to work as hard as you can every time because there's a big benefit to doing a lot of easy runs. And I yeah. also think it helps you not hate running as much. That really helped me a lot when I was just like, go out for like whatever it is, like a 10 minute per mile pace and just run mm-hmm. at that for like whatever, 30 minutes, listen to your music or have a conversation. And when you get back, your brain hasn't associated this activity with a horrible feeling. Yeah, and build build that into your like neural pathways. I think that that's the best thing I can do. I think for swimming, it's similar. If if you're trying to get under two minutes per hundred, I don't think intervals are the solution to that. I think it's about swimming a lot. Yeah, exactly. I do think that in swimming, though, breaking up the swim into intervals, not necessarily leaving times and going fast, but taking a break every fifty meters. Say you're going to do 20 times 50 meters, but take 10 seconds rest drop for each one. You don't care what your time is, but taking that little reset at the wall helps you push off and just feel like you've reset your stroke and you can hold form and really focus on doing that well. And so don't be afraid to stop at the wall and rest while you're swimming. We do that all the time. Yeah. Like we break all of our swims in intervals. We're never going to the pool and just swimming for an hour straight. It's intervals in terms of just time and broken up, but not intervals equals going hard. Hard, exactly. Yeah. It's amazing how silly your brain is. Like I have workouts where the whole things in, in, the, in the pool are done at the same intensity, but they're like yeah. 100 and then a 200, then a 200, then a 300, then a 300, then a 400, instead of just like yeah. swim 3,200 straight. And, but for no, me, the difference between those two are <laughs> night and day. Like, Oh, same with us. Yeah. No, no. We, we, I mean, we swim with a guy who's training for like a 50K swim oh, and he'll swim no. for three and a half hours and do like 12K, but it's there's like eight sets inside of it. And it's exactly like that. You're doing like a 300, then 350s, and then 200, and then 250s, and then 100, you know, and it's... You have and, to do that. And you just, by the time you get to the end, you've done a lot, but you haven't realized it because you're like counting. Yeah. I would say the only time we're swimming straight without stopping is when we do open water swimming. Yeah. And then the maximum like repeat of something we do in the pool is maybe an 800, but not like several of them. And I would also say to Jade, if you're trying to get under two minutes per 100... Probably drills would be good too. Aerobic is part of it, but I do think most people are aerobically capable of that. It's just a technique thing that might be holding yeah. her back. Yeah, any I sort agree. of drill that that focuses on good body position will kicking will help without a, lot. a board and a snorkel, pulling, yeah. stuff like that. Just yeah. get your legs from stop your legs from dragging as much as you can. Yeah, but thanks for the question, Jade. Uh, next question is from Elise Chu and Noah Schlesinger. Hi, we're Noah and Elise. Noah's from Eugene, Oregon. Woo! And has been following TTL since our college triathlon team went down in Triton, man, in 2019. No way. How do you recover from (laughs) workouts, and do you have a specific stretching routine? Do you have any specific tools slash equipment? Also, do you hear Paula's Canadian accent? We never really noticed it until we started listening to the podcast. And suddenly, it became obvious to me. Once we started hearing her accent, we couldn't stop hearing Lionel's Canadian accent in his videos. Good luck with the rest of your season, and we'll be cheering you on. (laughs) I don't think I have it. Well, maybe I have a Canadian accent, but Nick, I mean, everyone, maybe like my accent is similar to West Coast America. East Coast America is different. I hear it in a couple words, and I definitely hear it in the words that you choose. Mm. Mm. I I think when you're happier. And we're always in a good mood right. when we're doing the podcast. Like it comes out more, you hear it more. Yeah, if I'm grumpy, I'm talking like this. <laughs> you said, was it? We were we were like booking a hotel, 
And you said, have you determined your accommodations for St. George right. yet? That's what you said or something. Was, have you booked your accommodations? Have you booked your accommodations? I'm like, I'm sorry, are you a travel agent? Like what? <laughs> <laughs> That's so normal. No. Uh, no, because accommodations. Now that you have, you can't just say, "Did you book your hotel?" Because you got right. Airbnb. Airbnb you got that's true. Yeah, but it's it's a very European slash Canadian thing I to think say. So. We would just list Where all are the you things. Staying or something. We would be like, yeah. "Have you gotten your flights in Airbnb yet?" Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm trying to think of like, do you say pardon? Pardon? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no no Americans I mean, say pardon. When you're like, excuse me, I don't think. I don't know. Maybe sometime. And I think I've heard the accent a couple times, but you don't have it very strong, and neither does Lionel. And I used to live with a Canadian, so uh, I, I've heard like a real Canadian accent. You guys have it pretty. You have it pretty slight. Your mom says "pardon." Mm, okay. I guess, well, one thing you'll never hear a Canadian say is "huh." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a very American thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's great. Um, sorry, the first part of the question was a specific stretching routine for recovering. Yeah, we don't really have a stretching routine per se. I have a little bit more of one. We have stretches that we like to do. And actually, uh, Wahoo has a thing called Systems where they actually have a really good bank of recovery yoga and stretch routines to take you through. And to be honest, unless I have someone guiding me through it, I'm less likely to do it. Yeah. So I would recommend something like that. Either Systems by Wahoo or like even YouTube or something like that. Yeah, the classic move is uh, like I'll start foam rolling and then within 30 seconds, like I'm just using the foam roller as a pillow. To right. Watch TV. right. Well, I've seen, Eric, you have these hip issues. So I've seen you do a lot of yeah. foam rolling and stretching, especially around races sometimes. But that seems yeah. to be a spe- specific issue because of an injury that you have. Yeah, and, and what I try to do with that is not necessarily just like up and down, up and down, flush type thing, rather than like I know which muscles get tight and you do a thing called pin and stretch where you kind of like put some pressure on it and then you try to move that muscle through its range of motion. Um, so for me, that like a foam roller would definitely be number one recovery tool. I really like the Normatec boots. Yeah. I don't know. They, I don't know if it's like the feel of them or the fact that they force you to sit down for... 30 minutes or 45 minutes. Yeah. And uh, Hypervolt also makes like a massage gun. Lots of companies have them. But I also really think that's a good tool for taking a races when you might not have access to massage or anything. Yeah. 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 Post, post airplane is just a bad place. <laughs> yeah. You want all the things when you, when you get up the airplane. Do you guys do any like compression stuff on your legs during when you fly? We're supposed to wear like compression socks, our coach says, but. Kind of depends on the length of the flight. Like if we're going to China. Hundred percent, yes, and we might even bring like the travel Normatex on the plane in desperation. But for like a two-hour flight, not so much. Just get up and go to the bathroom a few times. Yeah, cool. Um, okay, great. Well, next question is a little bit adjacent to triathlon, but what do you look for in a cafe outside of tasty bites and beverages? What makes you want to go to a cafe and hang out? Do you like having more soft seating or high tops, for example? But I, I, Eric and I were talking about this the other day. There's a few things like if if he started his own coffee shop, like things he would not allow, things he would encourage. <laughs> I was going to say we could like this could be an entire podcast. Well, isn't this question this question's from Sean, right? Yeah, yeah. So Sean does our helps us with our monthly coffee project for TTL, and he's opening a coffee shop, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so he, he, he wrote it in here. It's just a part of a long email, so I thought I would kind of cut sure, to the yeah. question yeah. part. But there is a bit of a personal connection to the yeah to the 
question. So we might actually be impacting the layout of a coffee shop with this answer. Got it. So let's be very careful, I guess. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be soft seating. I guess Spoken Moto, though, has some really nice soft chairs. Yeah, like my current favorite coffee shop in town is actually a coffee shop slash motorcycle shop slash bar slash has a food cart pot outside. It's like the owner's extremely ADD, like me. <laughs> um, but they do have, they've got a variety. I think having a variety of options, they've got some tall tables, they've got some shorter tables, they've got a couple couches, kind of like a whiskey bar or something with, you know, like a fireplace. So there's like kind of any vibe that you're feeling, but there's enough space to where you you don't feel like you're on top of people. Yeah. And like good lighting is, is super important. You want like lots of natural light, not and like ideally a high ceiling. You, people always think better when you have more space. So you feel like more creative and that's people who go camp out of coffee shops. Um, really nice bakery display. Oh, like definitely a wrap, very nice bakery display. Don't wrap your bakery stuff in, uh, in saran wrap. wrap. Hard no. Hard no on the saran wrap. That, not a lot of coffee shops do that anyway. But then, I don't know, Eric's answers were really good. I think there's one thing that Eric and I talked about is mm. trying to somehow limit the amount of people who just show up with their laptop and stay for three yeah. hours. Especially yeah. like us, if you don't have very much space. If you have a right. wild abundance of space, it's less of a problem. But if you, like the worst thing is when we want to go fika, we want to just sit on a coffee shop <laughs> and like have a conversation and enjoy the ambiance. And you can't sit anywhere because there's like seven people and a woman's got like a power strip with like 12 things that's, plugged into it and like an encyclopedia. That's too much. That's <laughs> so too much. We had the conversation of like, if you had a smaller area, like limiting the Wi-Fi to 30 minutes or something like that, or you have to pay after 30 minutes so that people aren't there for four hours. I like the idea. You, I think you said this about having a, a specific area designated to laptops and an area that yeah. they're not allowed that's a good idea. Yeah. The coffee there, shop in Portland does that. Yeah, there's a coffee shop in Kelowna that we like like that. That's a whole house. They've got one room that's like that's so cool. Fully got like study hall vibes, and then the other room is like no laptops in here. It's just hanging out. So yeah. it's, that's really cool if you have that amount of space. You kind of run into it. Really depends on where your coffee shop is because if it's somewhere that's close to a college, it's inevitable there's going to be students studying there all the time, and you can't brutal. sit down. That that happens a lot, and like in Tucson, that Tucson, happens all the time. yeah, there's a coffee shop in Tucson that we like, but. Right oh, by man, the like, university. On like a weekday. Insane how many laptops are in there. It's crazy. And what do you think about like a community table at a coffee shop where like people, I mean, I guess they could put their laptops there, but it seems like most coffee shops in LA do not embrace that. No, that's the, that's one of the things I like about Spoken Moto. They've got three big ones that are like a cafeteria style and people sitting, they've got like eight chairs on each side and that really helps with the laptop scene. If you right. are on your laptop, you just sit next to all the other people with laptops and meanwhile the, the sofa chair is for the people who want to talk. It's funny because in my mind, I'm like, I like sitting at the community table because there's just even, I like the idea that there's a chance that a conversation might spark up with the person next to me. <laughs> of course. That gets me excited. That, uh, Sean also says, wearing my TTL shirt at the Boston Marathon Expo was awesome. I had more than a few people comment on it. I love being a part of TTL Nation, also known as TTL Nash. Thank you for creating something that really feels good to be a part of. You guys are the best. So nice. That's Sean, awesome. You're melting our hearts. That's awesome. We love that. <laughs> he's he's the best. He is great. If you've ever enjoyed, if you've gotten one of our coffee subscription coffee project bags, it's that's thanks to Sean. He's completely made. Like Nick created the podcast. Like 
I have a little bit of input and we, I help pick out the coffee for the coffee project, but Sean handles all the, the nuts and bolts. So do not give me credit for the podcast. <laughs> you made, you pushed, you pushed. I did push. I did push, but <laughs> we're all here every week. It's not like I'm doing it. Yeah. Um, Okay, Nick, great. Nick's like, what time are we doing the pod? What yeah. time are we doing the pod tonight? <laughs> I, love like, I love no, it. I love it. It's always fun. Okay, so where is Sean building this coffee place, by the way? Um, Good question. Man, I actually, it's in. It's going to be in Washington. Oh, man, I don't even want to say. Oh, it in because, Washington State. Okay, got it. He lives in Seattle. Man, I want to say like Everett. Finally, a coffee shop in Seattle. Great. It's not It's not in <laughs> Seattle. It's like near. <laughs> Seattle adjacent. <laughs> Um, okay, yeah. well, the next question is also from Sean, but spelt S-H-A-W-N. Like Sean Spencer from Psych, if any any Psych fans out Sean there. Sean Dog. Like Sean White. Yeah. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I feel like the cool Sean spell it W-N. Um, okay, so his question is, hi, guys. Huge fan. Love the pod. I was so excited to hear that you will be at Oregon 70.3 in July. My question is whether you have any advice for a river swim. Oh, they do. I did Augusta 70.3 last year, and that was my first time swimming in a river. The current was insane, and I could not believe my watch when I finished the swim. For Oregon, I've heard that you're better off in the middle, and that the current goes so fast, so you have to actually watch out for trees, etc. If you are too close to the shore. Do you approach the swim differently when it's in a river? Any other tips for relative river swimming newbie? Uh, Oh, actually, we won't be going to Oregon. (laughs) didn't realize it was a river swim <laughs> yeah we like we like swimming so if you your tip for a river swim is don't worry about swimming training <laughs> you just basically just plop in the water take a nap and uh, you'll make it to the end don't dedicate your childhood to swimming um no i mean you're pretty much right if you have a chance to go scope it out and can figure out where the current is the strongest and get inside of that awesome there's no upstream component at all of Oregon. I, know. That's, I don't understand why they can't do that. Just even if you swim upstream for like a hundred yards, right? But anyway, I don't know. So whatever. Nobody cares about swimming. If they made the freaking bike forty-seven miles instead of fifty-six, people would have a conniption. <laughs> that's true. Poor Eric and Paula. They're such strong swimmers. They never get to use it. Well, we're not even a strong. I'm not even that strong of a swimmer, but it does give me an advantage over some people that just gets narrowed if it's a yeah. down river. Swim. Yeah, doing right. doing the actual full seventy point three, it gives us an advantage. So I really, I so now I really, I did not know it was a river swim. So now, I, of course, it's a river swim though. So now I really need to do this race. I really yes. need to do this. Oh, race. Nick, this you is, will love it. That's yeah, my yeah. race. That's also flat, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's it's. Yeah. I'm a big bone boy, so I would love a flat race. That'll be good. Also, we'll try to get you in. If anyone has connections in Oregon because it's full and we want to get Nick in, we're trying. We're trying. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll, it would we'll be, do some great trades of any sort. The timing for me would be perfect because the Ironman is then in September. Um, so yeah. having a seventy point three then would just be exactly right. Yeah. Um, also, <laughs> Sean said after last week, Sean said, I'm not going to share my resume slash data because it's totally embarrassing. Let's just say I'm a middle of the pack, just finished with a smile age grouper. Thanks for taking time to do the pod. I love your advice and banter. Hope you both win Oregon. Nice. Me too. Nick, I have a good plan B for you. You could sign up for the PTO championships in Edmonton sprint, uh, age group race. It's not full. Oh, Really? Yeah, it's a little hard to drive there, though. I could drive to you. I would. I was going to drive oh. to Eugene. Oh, you yeah. can fly direct LA to Edmonton. Wow! Or you just drive with me. Are you going to drive up? I'm. Well, definitely one of us is driving. Yeah, but we're going to be driving up really far in advance. But Nick, honestly, you can stay with my parents. We'll pay for your flight. 
We'll give you, you get a free entry. This is not fair. These poor fans are like, wait, what? He gets all this? This is not right. <laughs> you want to spend four hours a week editing our podcast? In fact, this too can be yours. Yeah. In fact, <laughs> Sean, come to Edmonton instead. Like everyone listening to this pod, sign up for Edmonton PTO age group race. It's going to be such a good race. Is it, uh, what's the distance? It's a hundred K distance and they also have a sprint distance, but oh, uh, 100K. 100K. pretty similar to uh 70.3. Yeah. Just under a 70.3. I hate to admit it, but I do think it'll be a cooler race than Oregon. Just it, the course for going in and out of the river Valley in Edmonton. It's going to be, it's going to be really sweet. And yeah. that's going to be an experience because Paul's mom is a race director. And also we're going to have a TTL, um, expo bo- booth. No, what? No. Yeah. We really? Are. Oh, yeah. We Paul, are going through you're logistics. Just gonna, you're just, Wow. <laughs> I can't believe that. That is so cool. So if you sign up for the PTO race because of this pod, send me an email. Yeah. Just so I know, because it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Right, or send an send an email to the Edmonton race director so they know. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. You know, it's not a terrible idea. I, I've never been and not. it could be a fun like a, a whole thing. All right. Canada, yeah, because it's my hometown. It's my hometown. Yeah, and I have, and one of my best friends is also from Edmonton. So yeah. that's that's crazy. Um, okay, awesome. Well, that's that. Um, <laughs> next question. Hi, Paula, Eric, and Nick. Saying hi from Canmore. What? I was also born in Edmonton, so I have that in common with Paula as well. But that's pretty much where the similarities stop since I'm just your average age grouper trying to break the six-hour barrier during a 70.3. It's mostly the run that slows me down. Well, all three, but running isn't great. Girl, I (laughs) feel you. Uh, Anyways, my question isn't about running, but it's about riding up hills. You would think since I've been living in the Rocky Mountains for the past six years that I would be pretty okay at it, but I'm not. I always, always get past going up. I train based off power, and I know I don't want to be burning all my matches going uphill. How much higher should I be aiming for? For example, if my goal is to average 180 watts for the full 90K, what should I be targeting for the hills? Um, I mean, I, I think that the way that we kind of establish where we should be targeting for the hills is when in the early season, we'll do some like eight by four minute hill repeats for strength work early in the season. You get a pretty good idea of when you stepped over the line and are going to pop. Um, I think the the number one way to get good at hills is to do hill repeats. Because yeah. it's such a different motion than riding on the flat and mindset and you're standing and your RPMs are lower and doing short, like relatively short, digestible pieces and then making them slowly longer as you get stronger. Start with one-minute hill repeats, you know? Well, yeah. that's that's all fine and dandy. But her question is, if she wants to average 180 watts, if you're trying to average, let's say, 250 watts, what are you going to try to do for the hills? Does it depend on the length of the hill? Does it depend on how hard the race is? Does it depend on how hard the run is? Yes, all of the above. That's why it's like really hard to answer that question. Like it's a bit of a feel thing, and you go based off of experience. And and for our racing, it's a little bit different too. For us, we kind of just need to go whatever speed the group is going. Right, like that we is can't different. Get dropped. Um, yeah, looking at your power meter on a hill is kind of hard. And a lot of the time, I'll look at it briefly, and I'll be going way more watts than I think I should be going or feel like I'm going. That's what I've had happen many times too. And obviously I'm at a very different level, but I'm like 70 Watts over what I'm 
goal is to average yeah. going up a hill. And I'm like, yeah. it feels good right now, but is this a mistake? And I actually don't really know. I mean, like for her, maybe let's set a limit for her. If she's trying to average 180, what do you think she shouldn't go over for a hill? Like 220? Got it, 220. Well, it depends how long the hill is. Like yeah. in Oceanside, there's like a long hill. So. If it's like a three-minute hill, let's say, I'll say like 230, 240 maybe. And keep in mind that if there's hills like that, there's also going to be downhills on the bike yeah. where you might average zero watts if you're right. just coasting. So that'll pull your average down again. So when you're talking about average watts of 180. Very hard to do on a hilly course. Yeah. And she also said that she has like no problem going downhill. She's Her fastest speed going downhill is 82K an hour, which is oh, yeah. pretty fast. That's fast. Um, that's great. So that's good. I mean, it's definitely good to go fast downhill. I've noticed that for me... I have a slight edge on people as far as bike handling goes. And the amount of people that I pass going downhill in races is insane because of yeah. how tentative triathletes are. I just, I just picture I agree, all these yeah. people that are on trainers all the time. So that's the nice thing about training the hills. Like Paula said, is like you get fast going up and then you learn to go fast going down too. Yeah. yeah. And I think you can put more time on people in the descents than you can by going marginally faster on the ups. Yeah, Like I'll- Eric drops me on the downs like in a second. But on the ups, like he can't really draw me that much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you are a beast going uphill, Paul. It's I would, I would say crazy. I would throw this out there, and either you guys can contest me on it. But if you have, if you don't have something like this in your schedule already, and it's you know you're far out from a race, like try doing something like five by one minute or five by two minute hills at, at the highest average power you can for all of them, and don't be afraid to blow up and kind of see where, j- just get a feeling for what does 240 watts for two minutes feel like or whatever it is that you can hit and and start to try to dial in some perceived exertion yeah. there and just don't be afraid like i said to blow up and find that limit yeah that's what we do early season it's interesting you say that because now that i think about it i could see a vast majority of triathletes just following their training plans so strictly that they don't even know what 240 watts for her for example feels like they've yeah. never yeah. tried it for more than like 10 or 15 seconds you know getting out of the saddle for a second Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was yeah, first maybe. riding and I was just riding by feel, like I knew exactly how much I could hold for how long. Just because yeah. just because that's all I had. Riding by feel or also riding by not having a coach that prescribes very specific numbers. Like for our hard uphill intervals, our coach doesn't give us power goals. He just says hard. Or it's like a wide range. So often you yeah. surprise yourself. Like, oh wow, I can actually go higher than I thought I could. Tara finishes by saying, I'm really enjoying listening to the pod and hopefully can see you in Edmonton PTO race. I will be there doing the 100K distance. Awesome. Oh, yeah. What a coincidence. That's right. (laughs) The Edmonton PTO race has a short punchy hill in it, so that'll be good to train for in Canmore. And also, you're higher in Canmore than you are in Edmonton, so hills will feel easier in Edmonton. Oh, I see. So (laughs) what's the elevation in Edmonton? I don't really actually know, but Canmore's higher. It's like probably it's probably similar to Bend. Uh, like no, no, it's lower. It's lower. I was gonna say like three thousand feet. I want lower. Give me lower. I'm I'm over here basically under the ocean, uh, training. Yeah. So I need as low as possible. Edmonton's two thousand feet. It's like not oh, that's negligible. good. That's not that's yeah. not bad. Yeah, I I I'm up at two thousand feet here. Sometimes on the bike. Okay. Um, so that's great. Yeah. Um, great. Well, next question, uh, from James. Hi guys. First of all, wanted to say hello and to let you know how much I enjoy the YouTube videos and also now the podcast, which is perfect to have when I'm on the trainer. I really appreciate what you're doing by doing what you do. So don't stop as someone who has got back into triathlon recently after a few years chasing numbers and getting stressed. If I missed a session, I now totally get that this is not the way forward and I'm approaching it with more sense of enjoyment and just getting outside and trying to have fun. It's much more fulfilling. 
One question I have is regarding nutrition, and there's been a lot of talk over the last few years about getting fat adapted by reducing carb intake while still fueling workouts properly, just not eating as much whilst not working out. My question is, what are your thoughts on this philosophy? And also, how do you all personally go about getting the right nutrients to fuel your day? Thanks again, all of you, James. Um, I feel like we've talked about, uh, you know, our kind of our approach to nutrition and a little bit more intuitive on the podcast before. So this isn't going to come as like a huge surprise inside of workouts. Like I'm a little bit more scientific than Paula is. I try to just make sure that I hit a baseline of like 200 calories while I'm training. And I, I don't like pay attention. I'm not trying to go no carb or anything like that. I'm just trying to fuel for what I'm doing, like putting gas in the car. Um, and then Paula is... I've actually been uh, taking more gels on the bike lately. That's good. And it's like noticeably uh, makes a difference on the later intervals. Yeah. So we're, we're definitely kind of more on the make sure that you have enough type of approach. And then outside of training, we make sure that we have a good, you know, recovery snack right after any hard workout. Like we didn't work out for the most part. We do a lot of smoothies and stuff. Um, but then for the rest of the day, we're, we're pretty intuitive and eat what our body wants. Yeah. We're not doing any like carb restriction to be able to burn fat that might be a little more important if you're racing an Ironman I I was gonna say I was gonna say I think for 70.3 athletes it may come into play but for people that are done as quickly as you guys are it really is it I don't know if it's worth putting in the Mm -hmm. work and the compromised training that is fat adapted stuff yeah I don't know if it's worth it for anyone, man. Like, yeah. like the risk that you, unless you have somebody managing it for you, that's like a professional. Like the risk that you run of being underfueled and just bonking. If you're a super, super scientific, like motivated numbers person, and you feel like you can take that on and do it really well, and it, with a scientific approach, with the then, risk of it not working, with then then great. But I. <laughs> It, I think I've seen so enough people like have problems getting underfueled and having all sorts of hormonal issues with that versus, you know, the number of success stories with fat adapting. So that, that's our personal kind of philosophy. I remember reading a thing that was saying that you could do a couple workouts a week uh, fasted in the morning, but mm. you have to be very careful about it and careful about the intensity you're doing them at because if you yeah. do dig a little too deep, your body takes way longer than you would hope to recover from that. You, and you don't yeah. really realize it, but it's like it's like you're like scraping the bottom of the barrel there. You guys don't do any yeah. fasted yeah. workouts? No. No, I, I did it. Um, we experimented with it for a couple months back in like 2014. I want to say we, uh, my coach Paulo and our squad back then, and pretty quickly abandoned it um, because we, we would, you'd have that first fasted workout of the day and then it would be so, so hard to have a quality session the next two workouts. It was just like the whole day was, I don't want to say a write-off, but you couldn't do any more inequality. Yeah. In fact, we did the opposite. We just, we do a swim and we're like, we need to get donuts and bagels on the way home. There's the, can- there's the Canadian bagels. <laughs> there's the Canadian. Uh, Not only are we fat, we're donut adapted. <laughs> I don't know what fat adapted even is. We're donut adapted. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense, especially if you're doing multiple workouts in a day, to get carbs into your system as soon as you're done working out is like a necessary thing. But this is just a quick disclaimer that we are not professionals in this department. We're just strictly like relaying our own experience and this our is own what's worked. And our own yeah, exactly what's worked for us. So don't take our advice as like, oh, that's the final decision. 
Research it more. I don't even want to say that it's worked for you guys. I want to say that you don't even know if anything else has worked, right? Because you haven't ever really experimented with like a very structured nutrition thing, right? Yeah. Um, you kind of have, Eric? I guess not while, not while in the professional phase. I, I did prior to turning professional. I had, I had some eating things that I was working through and stuff. So I, I got very serious with a nutritionist, but not while being a got athlete. It. Got it. Cool. Um, okay, well, we have two more questions. Let's try to... We've, ooh, we've been talking for a minute here, so we'll try to get, give them the best answers we can. Hey, Paula, Eric, Nick, and Flint. Thankfully, they didn't say in that order. Uh, Paula, you've mentioned that you're mainly going to focus on races that will result in PTO points, whereas Eric has his eye on some non-PTO point races too. Will we be seeing one slash both of you guys take on Escape from Alcatraz this year? TTL pop-up in San Francisco if you're here. Thanks. Oh, boy. A-O-I-F-E. That's an Irish name. Oh, uh, yeah. It's an Irish name. Um, I know how to sp- I know how to say it because I know someone else that has that name. If, if. We're just ruining this person's name on the podcast right now. We're not making fun. We're like actually just bad at names. It sounds like... Aoife. Aoife. Who just Wow, could not have guessed that. Who just completed her first sprint triathlon this past weekend. Congratulations. Uh, congratulations. Yeah, that's awesome. Eric will probably be doing Alcatraz. I definitely won't be. Don't love that race. And there's just a lot of racing in the next few months. So that's one that's not going to happen for me. And uh, therefore, we'll probably not have a PT or a TTL pop up just because yeah. I won't be there. We're not driving. It makes it really logistically difficult. Yeah. But yeah, Eric, I, Eric loves that race. I, I love that race. Well, you've won um, that race. Yes, many years ago. And I'm still on the quest to win it a second time before I retire. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll be there. It's it's a really hard it's a really hard time of the year. Like we there's like eight races in like nine weeks that happen in like May June. It's it's crazy. So we would both love to be able to do all of them. We got to kind of pick a little bit. And Eric, you have now two decent results that you now need one more um, to like because they you need three right for the for the yeah. they just count your best three. Yeah. So basically, if I have another race on par with Oceanside, uh, then then I should crack into the, the top forty or within striking distance of, of distance of getting like an invitation to race the PTO Edmonton race, which would be super exciting. Um, so th- I'll be trying to get that score at or either Chattanooga or Oregon. Okay, I, think, I don't know. They're both. No, Oregon's. I think Oregon might be too late. Oregon's too late. But uh, Tremblant, maybe. Oh yeah, Chattanooga, Tremblant. Tremblant's probably the better race for me. I was being that it doesn't have a downriver swim, but um, yeah, one of those two. Cool. Hope to, hope to get it done. Cool. Okay, and our last question from Kristen, and I, I this is something that I've wanted to ask you guys at some point on the podcast. So I'm glad she did. She said, "I'm loving the podcast so far, and look forward to a new episode every Thursday morning." I got into triathlon last summer and did a handful of sprint and Olympic distance and of course got hooked. I used my road bike that I was gifted seven years ago, used, so it was time for an upgrade. I bought a gravel bike over the winter, intending to throw on road tires and get clip-ons to make that work, but recently scored an amazing triathlon bike for an incredible deal, which I'm still in shock about. The question for us is, how often do you train with your triathlon bike? It seems so fast and unstable that I'm almost nervous to take it out on the roads, but I know I obviously need to. Do you have specific, this reminds me of somebody, do you have specific rides that you do with specific bikes or should most training be done on the triathlon bike? 
I still have my older road bike, brand new gravel bike, and now basically a new triathlon bike. So just not sure when to be riding what. Thank you so much for all your insight on the podcast. So, so helpful. Best, Kristen. What a, what a good question. Yeah. So before Paula gets super snarky on this or whatever, I just want to say like, you should probably ride it enough to not feel nervous on it. Like number one thing, just get, get to the point of where you are comfortable and you don't feel like you're going to tip over. Yeah, I agree with that. I would say that in terms of bike fitness, there is a lot of crossover from the road bike and the gravel bike to the time trial bike. Yeah. And we do a lot of our, even our hard sessions on our road bikes, especially hill repeats. Um, personally, I leave my, I put my TT bike on the trainer. So if I'm doing Zwift rides, intervals, I'm always an arrow on my TT bike. Cause I feel like that just gets you the most used to using the muscles that the TT bike uses. Although it, it helps you 0% in getting comfortable on your TT bike on the road. <laughs> so I would say as a race approaches, use it more and more and not for fitness reasons or muscle reasons, more just for comfort and uh, confidence in it. You don't want to get to a race and have really great bike fitness, but your limiting factor be that you're scared of your TT bike. And I do get also like me personally, I ride a lot better in races because there are technically closed roads and less obstacles to be Less scared of versus if you're riding on you know busy roads with cars and people I do find the TT bike really scary in training so that is something I try to get over but just be strategic with the routes that I pick on the TT bike so that they are a little less busy I definitely feel, I feel like you can feel this one out ultimately is is the answer here like if if you feel like you're a little bit nervous about the race coming up because you haven't been on your TT bike enough get on the TT bike but don't mm-hmm. like necessarily if you're not concerned about it just make sure I, I think it is important to try to do you know in the last month at least before your race all of your hard sessions on the tt bike yeah. and ideally riding arrow yeah another thing to consider is like if you're going to be sitting up the entire time on the tt bike you might as well be riding the road bike totally. it, it, you really want to maximize your time in the arrow position yeah that's a good point like we've been riding our tt bikes now for five years so we're pretty comfortable in arrow in terms of like our necks don't get sore we're used to it but someone who is new to a TT bike, like you might be, you'd really need to get used to that position because it's so different than a road bike. So maybe for someone like a, a newer athlete with a TT bike, spend more time on it. Or even putting it on the trainer in arrow is beneficial for getting your muscles used to that position, like I said. But if you're on your trainer and, oh my God, I could talk about this for literally an hour. <laughs> I know this is a big topic and I've, I've wanted to dedicate some, some real time to this. Because I had, like, yeah, as you're if, talking, I have more follow up questions that I'm thinking of that I want to yeah. know about too. Well, about, go for it. Just how about you? No, but I, fire up let me just finish this thought. <laughs> if you're on your trainer on your TT bike in arrow doing an interval, don't look down the whole time. Yeah. Focus on, like, we have Zwift in front of us. So I'm like looking up a bit and are like looking into a mirror, but get your neck used to it. You're not going to be looking down on the road. Don't do that on the trainer. Yeah. Agree. Do you think you get a sense when you're riding arrow fast on a CT bike? Do you get a sense for what positions are more or less arrow? Like I, I guess I feel like I have the sixth sense on the GT bike where I'm like, I can tell like, oh, actually my head's a little faster, like out in front, and like I'm a little faster if I my shoulders are tucked in and forward. Like it's almost like the mm-hmm. sound of the wind or the feeling of the wind. I can tell a yeah. little bit, and I, and I think there's there might be some benefit to that too. 
Well, Nick, you're a very artsy person. Okay, Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> My TTL senses are tingling. <laughs> there's there's one aspect of like just being in aero that is faster than sitting up. But you're right. If you're getting into the nitty gritty, like what's actually more aerodynamic, what head position's more aerodynamic, you can actually get a lot of gains from that. And that comes from either feeling it or getting someone to ride with you and like take a picture to see. Like a lot of the time, Eric will ask me to take a quick video of him with two different head positions. Positions, and then you can see which one looks more arrow. I do. I do think with certain helmets and stuff, you can hear a little bit more turbulence, uh, and like a lot of arrow stuff is a little bit common sense. Like the minutia is not, but if your head's more in line with your body, you're you're going to be more arrow than if it's like sticking straight up and you're yeah looking around. Turtle your shoulders, turtle your head, yeah stuff like that. That that all comes down to bike fit. You know what we got to do? Next time Paula goes to the wind tunnel, we just got to sneak Nick in there and we got (laughs) to test all these things like with Mr. Oh, I can tell when I'm saving a watt and see if they're true. Because that's like what's kind of crazy about about wind tunnel stuff sometimes is you can see one person and you would look at their position and be like, there's no way that's fast, but it's fast for them and it might not be fast for another person. It's kind of interesting. It's amazing. Like for some people coming up two millimeters can actually be faster for them. Not just, oh, it's faster because they're more energy efficient, but it can actually be more aerodynamically faster depending on how the yeah. airflow goes around their body. Yeah, yeah. your shoulder blades like move. And, and you're seeing that. a bunch of people now getting like airbars tilted up. Like that's very trendy now. The praying man just kind of thing. Yeah, and also I think there's a mental component to that is that it feels way faster to have your hands right by your freaking yeah. eyebrows. You I know? think so too. Because <laughs> like that came and went in pro cycling like seven years ago with Floyd Landis and now it's back. It's probably faster. I kind of wonder if different speeds do help or hurt that. Like if you're Mm -hmm. going 32 miles an hour, then flat forearms are faster. But if you're going 27, then the praying mantis are faster. You know, because like like we said before, different speeds mean that different shapes are more, are are faster for for people. Yeah. Yeah. that we're diverging a bit from her question. Oh but yeah, that's right. A good mix of how we balance like road bike, gravel bike, TT bike is our like aerobic cruise choice rides are usually on our gravel bikes. Some intervals if they're uphill are on our road bikes, and then intervals like hard TT intervals are on our TT bikes. So we really, we I'd say we're like exactly one third with the amount that we ride each bike. Would you say that, Eric? Yeah, I would say like early season we ride the road bikes for the uphill intervals and then we slowly transition to doing all the intervals on, yeah. on the TT bikes. If you so. need your happiness restored in life, just ride your road bike. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. Never underestimate the power of, of like the social ride and sitting up. Well, if we could bike. tell Kristen, maybe if, or Kristen and anyone else who's not super stoked about riding their TT bike, let's say they want to put off riding it as much as possible without compromising too much performance. How many weeks before their race do you think they should start getting sessions in on the TT bike? You already said that all your hard sessions, maybe the month before the race should be on the TT bike. But what about in general, like reintroducing the TT bike? Not necessarily for the first time, but... Like Nick, you're not racing till September. I would say there's no need for you to be on your TT bike right now. In fact, the the tires are completely flat on it behind me right now. (laughs) Because I am not getting on that thing for a while. If you were racing PTO Edmonton, which you are, I would say around uh, beginning of June, you should get on it. Like yeah. s- six weeks out, you know, I, just for like a little bit and then build it. I feel it. very comfortable in, on, on, in that position. I, not comfortable, but I don't have any kind of, uh, like, I'm not scared to be in that position. So I put it off as yeah. much as possible. But I think in general, if, you're, if you don't have that, 
you think six weeks? Yeah. 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 Six to eight, just like start taking on a couple of rides, make sure it freaking works. Right. You know, (laughs) pump out those tires. Don't, don't like get on it to do your, don't have your first ride on it. Be a hard workout. Just get out on a couple hours or whatever and just be in the position. Yeah. Cool. Well, that those are all the questions that we had. Uh, I, what I something I do, I just noticed. W- Nick and I are wearing matching uh, crew necks today. Nick's is a little bit later edition. I have an original, like very original collection gray crew neck. Um, the reason I bring that up, we're going to be launching finally for the first. It's been like months and months and months. We've got new crew necks coming out late June, and we're. We're really, really excited about it. I, I bring it up because we have, like, we just got all the fabric swatches in with, like, the proof of what this, the patch is going to look like on these and what this, like, we're doing these ones that have this, like, big TTL block letters and they're oh, and we're, you're we're gonna, like, you're gonna, very excited. You're going to tell them about <laughs> I thought, I feel like that is a secret. Yeah, no, cut that out. I'm cutting that out. cut that out. You know what? I'm going to keep it in, but I'm going to bleep it just to build tension so people won't know. Yes, that is something we need when to reveal. Are we reveal that? I don't think when we, we reveal it the until thing. they exist. Exactly. Because that you, is, I, I think people's minds are going to melt. Okay, I might be overselling it, but I think it's really cool. I was so stoked yeah. when I saw that. Bleep it out. Yeah, bleep it yeah, out. Yeah, we're bleeping it. We're bleeping Build it. Build the anticipation. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, oh my we, are so, we are so excited for that. And judging by how quickly the Oceanside stuff sold out, I think it's going to be a crazy thing once those drop. We're already planning. We're going to freaking get in a cabin with the Corbins for a photo shoot. It's going to be a wow, <laughs> cool thing. Wow, that's cool. Corbin's idea. Oh yeah, Nick, you're coming. <laughs> Great, I'll be right there. It's a TCL retreat slash content creation uh, bonanza. Bana- oh my God, I was going to say bonanza too. I don't know if I've ever said that word of my own volition. <laughs> you guys are like two peas in a pod. Oh my God, we are two peas in a pod. Literally a pod. <laughs> <laughs> This is a pod. Oh, we're recording a pod. We better end this. Okay, we're ending okay. it now. This Once again, on. you guys can send your questions into that triathlon life brand at gmail.com. We love getting your questions, and there's a very good chance we will answer it on the pod if you send something in that's at all relevant and complimentary. Yeah, that helps too. Totally. And dog pictures. We've got a lot of dog pictures lately. We can't uh, share them on I the pod, but we do love no. getting do we them. Need, do we just need to open a vlog one or end a vlog one day with like everyone's dog pictures they've sent That's in? not a bad idea. Maybe we'll, we'll think about that. Oh, on the vlog. Yeah, yeah. We yeah, definitely need funny. to do that. That's, that's funny. funny. That's very funny. All right. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Have a good week of training and uh, we'll see you next week. I'll talk to you next week. Ciao, guys. Talk to you next week. <laughs>